Hello and welcome to the 27th episode of the Ball and Chain podcast. I'm your host, Mark Thomas, coming to you from the LA area. And uh, excited to have everyone on this wonderful and beautiful Monday. And uh, got a lot that's going on out there in the world of sports. Uh, as everyone knows, I'm a huge and diehard Bucks fan, and uh, they had an excellent weekend um, in winning game four yesterday over the Nets. Um, and due to injuries, it looks like, um, in fact, the word just came out that Kyrie's not going to be playing for game five. I uh, have to say that this series is definitely there for my bucks for the taking. So hopefully uh, uh, they can take advantage of the situation and win game five tomorrow um, and then bring it back home on Thursday for game six. Uh, so that's great. And uh, my brewers are taking advantage of a super easy schedule right now where they have a long stretch of games against the Pirates, Rockies, Diamondbacks and Reds. Um, and uh, they are in first place uh, as well. Uh, and so, yeah, all around good weekend for me personally, sports wise, and for all those out there that are Bucks and Brewers fans. Um, and yeah, just uh, so far, a, a great summer of sports. So uh, with that out of the way, I am excited to welcome uh, our guest for episode 27. He is Chase Payne from Champions Round. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Chase. Mark, thanks for having me. Glad to Absolutely. Join. Absolutely. Thanks for making time. So I had a chance to do a quick little uh, a rundown of what Champions Round is, but um, it's it looks like it's a very unique and interesting value proposition on kind of the traditional uh, daily fantasy sports model. And so would love for you to give the audience in your own words, uh, kind of a deep dive into what exactly Champions Round is and does. Um, and how people can uh, check out the app and all that good stuff. Uh, and then, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, thanks for again for having me today. Excited to, to have this conversation and you know, with uh, Champions Round. So I'm one of the co-founders and chief product officers at, uh, I am the chief product officer at Champions Round. And you know, when we look at uh, what is sports uh, look like today and, and of tomorrow, what does sports look like in 10 years? Uh, we, we firmly start with there shouldn't be off seasons. There should be no off season in sports. And from the lens of a, a spectator, someone who loves sports, who's grown up around sports, uh, fantasy has been uh, this really awesome uh, innovation to the spectator experience, uh, basically gamifying the way we watch sporting events. And to see the innovation continue, uh, we still feel that the tradition of sports is kind of holding back uh, uh, the growth opportunities and. Uh, so really simply, uh, the best group of friends that we have, um, I've been playing for over 20 years uh, with the NFL. It's I only you know see that those friends like 26 calendar weeks of the year. This year, I get one more additional week, but of the other half, there's nothing to do. So we're setting out uh, really, really believing that there should be more games of skill that allow fans to uh, consume um, sports and connect with fan, connect with the athletes they love in different ways uh, all year round, not just when it's in season. So. Uh, we are uh, early stage and having a lot of fun and getting ready for uh, this NFL season. We'll be rolling out our first paid offer. So when you say it's year round, you're referring to other sports that you allow people to uh, place daily fan. Is it, is it daily? Actually, let me take a step back here. Is it just daily fantasy? Is it season long fantasy, a combination of both? Or what are the actual contests that you're running uh, within 
uh, champions around before I kind of get into like which sports and stuff you offer. Yeah. Uh, would yeah, be good, good to get just what is the structure of it like? Great, great question. So for uh, for the legalese and the compliance folks in the industry, we, we fall in the category of uh, daily fantasy sports as like a category. So we're paid fantasy sports uh, for the average fan of sports. Uh, it's to them. Is it is it is it DFS? Is it sports betting? It all kind of feels the same, uh, but we are distinctly structurally run contests that are games of skill uh, that function uh, on a paid offering uh, with a DFS loss here in the States. So uh, up until this year, uh, we've been running free to play games. So uh, learning a ton and, and we're very familiar with that model. So uh, that's where uh, the, the legal answer. Uh, so I don't get in trouble. We are not a legal sports wagering uh, right. platform yet, but that's the category that we see ourselves entering at some point. So um, when you talk about games of skill, then, I mean, that obviously can encompass a lot. Do you also get into things like trivia or other stuff like that? Or is it strictly kind of building lineups for, um, you know, the contests and then going from there? Yeah. So, you know, the, the current iteration of like our products, so we're available on iOS and Android. Uh, and, you know, we, we want to keep it really, really simple. Uh, we started with just the journey of uh, how could I get any sports fan in to enjoy a game with their friends uh, as quick as possible. So we're really focused on optimizing that experience because the way that uh, games of skill laws are written currently and the way that we see them continue to unfold, uh, we need to be flexible. Uh, the real action isn't really in how the game mechanics work. It's more in the how they're structured. Uh, so. Uh, that's where most of our attention has been. So the games we currently offer uh, are more like salary cap uh, and pick them. Uh, so there's some prediction uh, games in there, uh, but uh, we see ourselves getting into snake drafts, like traditional redrafts uh, that people are used to. Uh, best ball is a category that we like, uh, but we really kind of start with like, where is the opportunity or the white space around an audience not being served and then finding a game mechanic that, that makes the most sense for them. So this fall we'll be rolling out with a, a pick them in a, uh, a salary cap model first. And is it just NFL or do you offer other sports as well? Uh, the, we currently offer NFL, uh, but the plan is to expand it to other sports uh, through uh, Q4. Got it. And in keeping kind of with your theme of, of being something year round, is that, do you see that fitting into it? Like being able to offer sports across all seasons. So you have, you know, hockey, basketball, uh, football, baseball, um, maybe even some other sports like tennis and whatnot as they're going on year round. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we, we start with like the structure of a calendar year, right? 12 months in a year, 365 days. Where are, where's the time being spent from a spectator experience and then working backwards from there of what a fan expects today. And then really looking for that white space around where they're not being served. So uh, NBA is a perfect example that parallels a lot of the other franchise uh, professional sports where they have their traditional regular season, postseason. They have these off-season events. Um, there's a lot of excitement around the draft, stuff like that. So we see like events like the draft as ways of bridging that gap into the regular season action. So I find this interesting that you're also on the uh, board of directors for the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association. I'd never even heard of them until just now. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about them, uh, what they represent, what their um, you know, goals are and kind of what your role is within them? Because I think this could be something that's really interesting on the legal side of things uh, for DFS or any other gaming that you guys tackle. 
You know what? You just actually unearthed one of my motivations here, Mark, was to take this podcast and and ask you to join. Like, I think you need to be a part of it because there needs to be more startups with cool ideas uh, growing this space, honestly. So, uh, yes. uh, So the FSGA uh, is the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association. I'm one of um, the, the board uh, directors member that lead the, the membership um, chair for the membership uh, committee. And what it is, is uh, it's a nonprofit trade association dedicated to the advancement of the fantasy sports uh, and sports, uh, legal sports wagering industry. Uh, it's the only one uh, really here in the United States. It's been around since the late 90s. Uh, it started off as FS- FSA, became FSTA. It rebranded. Um, the group what did T stand for? Uh, fantasy Sports and Trade Association. Okay. So, um, interesting enough, uh, the rebrand was really intentional because we saw, you know, the whole mission around the FSGA is connecting fans to the sports they love. So it's a mix of business owners, content creators, uh, operators, compliance, uh, business services, um, the whole gamut of uh, the industry. I kind of call it the brain trust of the fantasy industry. Is uh, and is it is it more fantasy sports or sports betting or both? Uh, it is both. Uh, it has historically been more fantasy, but uh, we've intentionally shifted uh, and you know, really acknowledged where the industry is going um, with fantasy and sports betting becoming so close in the consumer's eyes that uh, we need to work together. Uh, so the rebrand was intentional. So it's a mix of fantasy companies and sports betting companies. Awesome. Amazing. And it says that you guys have 200 member companies. Looks like there's about 14 or 15 people on LinkedIn that are involved with it. Um in terms of member companies, what does that look like? Uh, you know, is it are those people that you know pay annual dues and attend uh, conferences and trade shows, or what is I guess what does membership in the FSGA get you? Yeah, correct, correct. So the the FSGA is a membership model, uh, membership led uh, trade association. So the association is a nonprofit. So even as a, a board member, I don't get paid for being on the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the the existing membership companies uh, encompass, as I mentioned, all the different verticals of the industry. Uh, we're, we're all dues paying members. So membership companies like Champions Round or DraftKings, FanDuel, CBS, we're all dues paying members. Uh, and with that comes, you know. A lot of a lot of a lot of benefits. One, the networking side of working with other folks that are trying to advance the industry. Um, it's a great for. Uh, understanding the industry. So we publish research uh, to um, that is really kind of the leading uh, measurement of what the industry is from a market standpoint. Um, and the other parts for anything from a big value uh, that the membership got in the past is we run two uh, create trade shows throughout the year, uh, two in-person conferences. And interesting enough, we just had our uh, first in-person trade show awesome. uh, in like a year and a half. Yeah. Since COVID was made things really, really messy, but we just ran it last week in Frisco, Texas. We had 159 people in person oh, wow. that uh, were there 55 were attending online um it was like a day and a half uh, of panels and uh, oh, i wish i would have known about it i would have I yeah. <laughs> it was great it was, we had a, we had a great time down at first but don't worry the next one uh, i think you have way more fun it's, it's actually in vegas uh it'll be in february so february 13th we're doing our next, uh, our next, uh, our I don't want to wait till February though. I want to do another one right now. <laughs> I feel you. It, it was nice being around people again. I, I gotta be honest. So, uh, so, okay. So two trade shows a year and I'm assuming like, is, is it, does it have a little bit more of kind of a, a legal focus to it since it's, um, you know, trying to, uh, I guess, you know, kind of, uh, you know, have some lobbying and have some, you know, legal, 
um, you know, takes on how things can be improved and all that kind of stuff? Or is it, um, is it more of um, kind of just the networking aspects like you talked about? So the, the FSGA uh, in the past and, and current and looking forward has played different roles in um, one growing the industry, the education side of it, uh, and now more recently government affairs is like a really big part of it. So your question about compliance and uh, lobbying efforts, like uh, are we on Capitol Hill pushing bills? No, but we're seen as like the association that experts come to, uh, to better understand the best approach to enter markets uh, to uh, best serve and uh, the, the different jurisdictions that um, uh, that are out there, and they're also very different. So uh, that's something that has become like I think one of like the defining strengths of the organization because um, again we're we're U.S. centric. Uh, we have a really broad base that again a lot of thought leaders that have been here for a long time. Right, uh, they understand the space intimately. So. Um, and because the members membership is not exclusive to just operators or content creators. So like we have some great um, people in there from the compliance side, regulatory side that speak mm -hmm. and spoke at our conferences and, and, and are due pay, dues paying members. Cool. And it's based in my, it's based in the town of my alma mater. Uh, and I'm actually, as you probably heard in the monologue, uh, originally from Wisconsin. So it looks like their headquarters are in Madison. Um, I, uh, yeah, I went to school in Madison, um, grew up in the Milwaukee area, then went to school in Madison. Um, so it's pretty cool that they're, uh, they're based there. I didn't even, yeah, I didn't even know about this. This is, this is awesome. Um, so yes, any other listeners out there, if you're already not part of the FSGA, um, can they, can they submit membership requests just right in the, on the website at the FSGA.org or is there a better way for them to get in contact with you? Yeah, absolutely. So the yeah, FSGA.org, there's, there's a joint, big old join button on the website mm -hmm. um, and you can go through there. We, we have a, a process for approving members that are, uh, and that's, really simple. Um, if you find me on LinkedIn or uh, on the internet, I'm happy to have a conversation about it. I'm always recruiting. And it starts with a podcast like this, Mark. I expect to see your application or interest. Absolutely. Yourself. Yeah, we'll, we'll be, we'll take, we'll take care of that this week. We're, uh, I mean, you know, without, you know, going into too much uh, of a tangent here, I mean, Zen Sports is, uh, has been operating international for the last couple of years. And so we are moving quickly to get licensed and operating in the U.S. Uh, we expect to have our Nevada gaming license and tech certification, hopefully by the end of August. Um, we started that process about a year ago. So it's been a, it's been a long journey, um, but we're super excited. Uh, the, Light is at the end of the tunnel for that. And then uh, we definitely expect to expand into more states uh, beyond Nevada uh, after August. So um, so definitely very interested in getting involved with this. And, um, you know, these kinds of things are, are very important to, to us as a company um, and just to our mission to, you know, further and better the um, experience for wagering on sports uh, for consumers out there. So um, really great, all the things that you're involved with. That's awesome. And kind of where's where are you at in the stage of the journey for champions round? Uh, it looks like you raised a little bit of funding. Um, are you guys, um, you know, going to be, you know, doing more fundraising in the future? Are you going to be, um, you know, uh, kind of uh, uh, expanding and getting distribution on what you have right now? Um, it's been around for a few years, it looks like. Um, are you going to be in high growth stage soon? Uh, what does that look like for champions round? Yeah, so a great, great question. When when thinking about the journey of an entrepreneur, one, I think just even saying that word out loud uh, kind of embodies the, it's still very new. It feels new leading into it. I spent majority of my career working like in startup-ish consumer entertainment. Like there's a different lens on that when, when you put your name on uh, something as a founder. So 
uh, the journey with Champions Run has been an amazing one in that, you know, when it started, it started from a simple premise of like, why are there off seasons? Like, how do we get rid of that? And building from there, you know, our journey was we, we started, we bootstrapped uh, to begin with. We launched at MVP, uh, learned a lot. Um, we, we made some bets. We also lost some bets, not literally and more so figuratively. Yeah, you got to be careful when you say <laughs> gotta that. got to be careful, this, right? In gotta this industry, careful, people see? think it's like you lost money on the, you know, the uh, Clippers game the other day. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Right. So I've learned to be buttoned up and it's uh, so th there will be a copy sent to us uh, to our lawyers after this to make sure I didn't uh, go through bar here. But uh, that's that, said, you know, we are we're still early stage uh, this past uh uh, this past pandemic, which is a wild year, uh, we we saw some lighting in the tunnel, which validated one of our main hypotheses around, you know, could we get sports fans excited about football when there's no football on TV? And we used the mm -hmm. NFL draft as a great moment to uh, demonstrate there was value there. Um, we, uh, with that, we were able to secure some capital this past um, uh, past winter and became uh, an institutionally backed company. So venture back, it sounds really sexy and it's fun still to say, uh, but you know, it also comes with the expectations of like, well, what are we doing with this? We're going to do more. Um, are we actually on track? And we're very critical on ourselves and we have a, have a high bar. Uh, so the, all that said, we're, you know, we, we've reached our series, our seed level. We're looking to raise a series A. Um, in the foreseeable future, we're using the NFL, as you understand, uh, NFL fantasy sports, like most of this industry is activated during football season. So uh, we want to set out and, and really deliver and show that we can build a business um, with this offering, um, but not lose sight of serving a customer, which is very different than when we started uh, this, this journey uh, years ago, but it's still really aligned with where we see the, the world going over the next 10 years. Yeah, it's awesome. That's awesome. And then so you, you've got a lot going on. You're also a mentor at Sports Tech Tokyo. Are you still there? And what is that all about? Well, this is this becomes like another, uh, I blame COVID uh, for mixing it up. But, you know, it's funny getting involved in the sports tech scene. Uh, you meet great people. And uh, I was able to get involved with uh, Scrum Ventures and mm. this great opportunity where um, they were really bringing some cool innovation to Tokyo, like they were in the Tokyo Olympics. So there was this whole venture initiative to uh, bring really cool consumer like sports tech and make that experience end to end awesome for fans, for operators and uh, for the athletes. And uh, that was a journey we began years ago and with anticipation of this big momentum. It, it's changed, uh, however, but uh, I think Scrum has definitely managed to build the momentum, all the, the value around sports tech and, and uh and spread that out uh, in just the sports tech community. So uh, I offer time uh, when needed. There's a great list of uh, portfolio companies that have built really cool things. Uh, and it's also just great to be part of another community uh, that is trying to make, uh, that's trying to reimagine how we, we appreciate and consume sports. So that's a, an ongoing um, uh, effort, which uh, I love to be a part of. So are you kind of mentoring and helping existing uh, portfolio companies that they have? Are you kind of scouting deals for them? Um, what does what does that look like? You know, in terms of being a mentor at a you know at a sports tech kind of uh, accelerator slash VC. Yeah. So think of it as like the the deals and companies are identified. So I'm not sourcing. Uh, um, companies, but um, consider like a subject matter expert. So we've assembled like a roster of really great subject matter experts in different 
industries and fields that have value to add from a, here's how you could maybe start your business, or here's the kind of partnership you should be looking for. Um, coming from the gaming world, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of overlap of what does gamification look like uh, at scale? Um, where do the worlds of virtual currencies and cryptocurrencies and real currencies like cross? Uh, what does that journey look like? So uh, it's, uh, I sit in a role where I can be a knowledge share uh, and work with existing portfolio companies. Um, and it's been really, really valuable. Yeah, that's really awesome. And I mean, I think the, the thing that's cool there is, um, you know, just having that experience, you know, kind of on the uh, VC slash investor side of things, you get to see it from their lens and how they evaluate companies and, um, you know, what that relationship looks like from the other side of the table, um, which I think is always, um, you know, extremely valuable to have as, as an entrepreneur. Um, so it just kind of accelerates, I think it also accelerates your ability to know how to fundraise, um, because you know, what investors are, you can anticipate what investors are looking for. Um, you know, you can see it from again, their lens and what they're looking for. And so I, let me ask you this on the, especially, I guess, specifically since it's sports tech, Tokyo, um, are most of the companies that you see there, are they, are those located in Japan or are they located all over the world serving the Japanese market? Or does it just happen to be that's where they're they're based out of? But it's it's really a global um, organization. Yeah, it's a um, so it's it's a global. This the companies are sourced globally. Um, so again, the without messing up all the details, it was a venture that was kind of spun out of Dentu, uh, I believe, and mm -hmm. Scrum Ventures partners and uh, and Scrum Ventures saw the opportunity to like find great companies to make this uh, the Olympics awesome, and they started this initiative you know, years ago um, in anticipation of this big uh, event. And again, not, not being so narrowly focused on just the event itself being awesome, but Scrum saw an opportunity to advance the conversation to sports technology. So you see a lot of different solutions for different sectors uh, and they come from companies and ideas uh, at different stages too. I think it's also important to know uh, the stage of companies. Some are early stage startups, some are a little bit more mature, uh, but you know, we had a quite a wide reach in terms of participating companies. And uh, one event I'll point to was uh, there was a, uh, again, it was like pre-COVID, uh, we had a big demo day uh, in San Francisco uh, where the finalist, finalist companies came and they, they showed off the tech and it was just really cool to be a part of, uh, to see a lot of it in action. Uh, some of it felt like you were in the future. Uh, and then again, I think you raised the point of to also see it from the mentor's eyes, but other investors' eyes of where they see opportunities and what type of partnerships being made. So uh, yeah, it's a, a cool initiative. Since since COVID, they've, we've, they've pivoted and we've regrouped and we have like a mentor network that we're now figuring what's the next steps for keeping this kind of momentum going. Right, right. So shifting gears back to, to Champions Round and the, and the current company you have, um, you know, what have been some of the challenges that you faced in getting, um, you know, a fantasy sports product up to date? Because, you know, on the sports betting side, which we focus on, as well as the cryptocurrency side, you know, we obviously have a ton of uh, legal things that we've had to button up along the way in order to make sure that we are, you know, fully in compliance and doing everything the right way. And I mean, I think we've got like eight to 10 law firms that we work with <laughs> on all a variety of different areas, um, whether it be again, crypto or whether it be uh, Nevada specific or US or international. And uh, it's a, it's a uh, definitely a potpourri of, of legal counsel that we have to kind of always be navigating. Um, what's it like on the, on the fantasy side, because it's, it's really a completely different set of rules. Um, and just kind of curious, like, what are, what are some of those things that you have to navigate being in the fantasy sports world? Yeah. So it's always a really interesting question when I think of these, 
challenges for the being an early stage company startup in the fantasy space, which uh, not to sound cliche, but focus uh, often is the kind of the number one thing that comes up when you when you really look closely at what the problem we're really trying to solve of no off seasons and um, and reimagining the second screen experience to sports. It opens up a lot of different medians in which you're already consuming sports. Uh, and this is also where you recognize your own bias um, uh, at the at your journey of enjoying sports and compound that with, again, COVID being such a unique event, um, how much of the problem you're trying to solve and the solutions you're delivering, how much of that is repeatable. Uh, and I think this is where at our stage and the, the problems we're trying to solve, um, it, there's a lot of different things that we see fringe benefits from of like, hey, this is something that creates value, but is that really uh, the value we should be focusing on. And, and I think that comes with trial and error that comes with um, really at like, I try to understand our customers better and the realness pursuit of it. Um, so kind of sum that up of focus and uh, this continued uh, point of always kind of coming back to the customer because uh, I can't underestimate enough, like with sports returning, things coming back in person, uh, there are consumption habits that are fundamentally different now. Uh, and, you know, we, we believe if we're really going to serve uh, sports fans of today and tomorrow, uh, we need to be, you know, honest with our own biases and continue to drill down on what's, what's working on this journey, build with our customer, not for them. So what do you mean by second screen experience? So when we, we think of um, our smartphones as uh, utility devices that uh, can enable or enhance the the experience that you're watching in front of you, whether it be on TV or in person. So second screen, we define it as uh, the device that either connects you with people and connects you to the game. Um, and so it's the 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 expectation of today is that you're watching game and checking your phone and see what your scores are. Um, you see a touchdown on the screen and you're checking your phone to see if you're in first place. So uh, this this tethering um, mm-hmm. experience exists and we think it's going to continue to exist, um, but we want to define that as it's a category to understand of where does a second screen experience exist in uh, the journey of enjoying sports and what's that journey look like so uh, do you do you see more broadcasts um, actually being you know kind of integrated into some of these different betting platforms uh, daily fantasy platforms season fantasy platforms um, what well, I actually could be radio broadcasts could be TV broadcasts could be analyses, you know, uh, you know, pre and post game shows, that sort of thing. I mean, where do you see, you know, kind of the content piece of things going um, as you, you know, kind of hinted that consumers want to be able to do everything kind of all in one place and be tethered to it all in one place. So, you know, when, when thinking of the, the challenge or say the opportunities around uh, the centralization of experiences, content, uh, what does that look like? Uh, I think one what will continue to be true is that there are there will be no one platform that can solve every problem and serve every customer. And when thinking about broadcast, uh, I love the innovation around broadcast and the accessibility of it. I love the stuff that Twitch is doing uh, to really kind of make it uh, more easier to make more preferences. I still think there's a lot of work to be done uh, around us even understanding what is the type of content we want to have and understand uh, in those moments, those shared moments with friends. So I think 
there are, uh, I think we're going to see this continued kind of maturation of technology enabling or, or pulling in information and streamlining it so it's more personal. Uh, and that will be more of what we expect in the future. So you, I think fans will have more control than ever of what they experience and what they don't experience. Is that the number one thing that you think fans or that uh, customers want is control? Or is there something else that you've found over your last couple of years of learnings that you go, yes, this is, you know, if we're to succeed, we have to absolutely do X. What does that look like? Uh, it can be two things too, if you feel there's more than one. I'm just kind of curious, like what are like the top one or two pain points that they've come and that customers have told you that they absolutely have to have, um, you know, to have an amazing, you know, uh, uh, fantasy sports experience you know, with your app and with your product? So, you know, the, when thinking of like one of the biggest opportunities, uh, not to get too blue sky, but it is a nice day here in Los Angeles. Uh, I will say <laughs> that I think two kind of central themes come up, but the one I'll focus here on is discovery. Um, the, there's a, so much uh, that we can learn through sports. And when talking to fans, um, much of the action and the conversations, maybe a small percentage of it we've observed, uh, is about like what exactly happened on field. Um, so much more of the conversations today is everything around the athlete, uh, their journey on a personal level, what's happening off the field, the anticipation, what's going to happen on the field, so much around the access to. So I think that is something that's going to uh, be more of what we're going to see as athletes. Uh, I firmly believe we're going to step in and be more leaders of the creator economy. There's going to be just more expectations around. I want to know more about this person. I want to find more ways to be involved. So fantasy uh, in a way fills that void in many ways, just giving you different ways to feel invested in the event you're watching. So we kind of think of it as like the Super Bowl party that you're at and everyone has something else at stake whether you know they have some action on the game or they have a season long championship they're celebrating or they're just their friends, but there's something about like sports is that kind of that tying fabric and the discovery piece we feel is the part where is the opportunity of what are all the other ways that we can feel connected. Uh, so, uh, and, and that's where I think the lack of tools, more modern tools to allow you to do that. Do you think athletes will be okay with that? I mean, I certainly some of them love being closer to the fans than others. Um, I'm not sure exactly what that kind of percentage breakdown is, um, but obviously places like Twitter and other social media platforms give them direct access to fans where they can interact with them uh, directly. And, and also you see kind of, I think, a circumventing of the mainstream media, uh, you know, just going direct, right? Again, if you can just go direct on Twitter and provide the news that, hey, Aaron Rodgers is definitely coming back, hopefully, um, you know, that, instead of instead of going third party and hearing it third you know secondhand from somebody else um you know they have that interaction i guess yeah two questions for you really is one do you think athletes are going to want more even deeper than what they have right now opportunities to get closer get closer with fans and if they do i guess what would that look like beyond traditional social media uh, platforms so you know, that's a great question i think to you know to direct to address it directly uh, i i look at it as I think athletes want more ownership of their journey of being an athlete. And that's really kind of the underpinning like wrestling match we're watching play out in front of us is, you know, I mentioned athletes I see being the leaders of the creator economy. And I, I throw in all kinds of creators, like musicians, artists, same thing. 
um, sports is something they do. It's not who they are. And I think there are more through social media. What we're seeing is this first wave of accessibility of seeing someone's life. So the comparison I give you is like everyone you know became enamored with The Last Dance, which was a great documentary, right? And it was like seeing Michael Jordan over again. Uh, it was like seeing pieces of his life that I didn't see before. Because I mean, I was just too young to get it. But you know, with LeBron James, like. I know where he went to high school. I know the names of his kids. Uh, <laughs> had a rough idea where they live. Like, right. there's so much more access that is just available um, that is because of these sports they've played. And I think the next gener- next kind of chapter of this that's going to unfold is there's just more ways for athletes to self-organize and own their journey. So that's where we think of like NFTs as a really really interesting area mm-hmm. of exploration of ownership of memorabilia. That piece. Uh, I think the piece that I'm super excited personally is this this uh, legislation around NIL uh, for collegiate athletics. Um, name image. Can you, can you go into that a little bit more for a quick second for those that oh, don't know what that yeah. is? Yeah. So uh, right now we're we're about to witness some unprecedented times with uh, NIL, which is name image likeness. Uh, it's a it's a much top much heralded debate uh, where collegiate athletes uh, for the first time uh, will be able to monetize uh, their name image likeness. Uh, as collegiate athletes. Uh, starting July 1st, there's a few states that have already put legislation in place to, to make it happen. Um, there's a lot of rules in there uh, of how it can happen, but it's something that has never been allowed before. And uh, in parallel, the NCAA is also racing to get some federal legislation in there. So um, the next two weeks are going to be really interesting to see what happens. Uh, but NIL is uh, the ability to pay college athletes. Um, and that's uh, college athletes are going to get paid soon, and with that comes ownership. Uh, I think we're going to start we're going to start looking more closely at what does IP ownership look like on a collegiate level, and then where does it stop from there? So uh, that's a a really interesting point when we think of athletes, the journey of uh, an athlete of today, and uh, there are going to be more solutions at every level of athletics for athletes to monetize uh, their name, image, likeness. Uh, and you know, from an amateur ranks to the professional ranks, which I think to come back to your question of, is that something athletes want? Well, if we reframe that as there's an opportunity for a, a person to build a business in a more effective way, <laughs> uh, I think the universal answer would be yes. Uh, it just becomes a matter of how much. Right. Yeah. And so I think what's interesting about that is, you know, this has been something that's been debated and talked about forever it feels like. And finally, it's going to be coming to fruition. And I I would tend to agree with you that if we can give athletes easier, faster ways to monetize, uh, you know, again, memorabilia, maybe it could be, I don't know, it could even be, um, you know, uh, attending someone's birthday celebration, like for your favorite athlete, you know, uh, and setting that up easily. Um, all those kinds of things. And, and it's interesting on the, on the marketing side of, of sports, um, you know, there's, there's quite a few influencer platforms that now allow you to easily uh, bring, I don't know, anybody, any athlete that you want on, or at least quite a few of them um, to do influencer marketing for a cost, of course, um, to, uh, to your brand. And so I could see there being an extension of that into the consumer space, um, not to do necessarily influencer marketing, but could be for, uh, all sorts of things. All right. Um, and so maybe you want to give, you know, an autographed football of, you know, Aaron Rodgers to your, you know, kid for birthday, uh, for his birthday. And what would that cost? And how would you go about doing that? 
right now it's not easy. Um, but you know, in the future, that could be a lot easier. Uh, so that that stuff makes a lot of a sense. And I think the NFT side thing of things is really interesting too. I would agree with you on that, you know, for for recording that memorabilia, for validating it, for putting it in the blockchain, uh, for making it real um, and authentic. Uh, I think that could be that could be really interesting. Um, why don't I use that as a dovetail to talk about uh, cryptocurrencies? And we didn't have a chance to talk in advance if, if this is your area of forte, but I would love to get your thoughts on cryptocurrency. I mean, I, we certainly have our thoughts, right? Because we do a big part of uh, our betting is cryptocurrency uh, related, but would love to just get your thoughts too on how you see cryptocurrencies playing into the world of sports betting, gaming, um, you know, how it ties into uh, fantasy uh, or any other things that you think are, are pretty interesting on that front. If you have an opinion, if not, totally cool, but I uh, would love to see if you do. Yeah, so the the question of cryptocurrencies and the role it plays, I'll, I'll, I will not preference myself as a subject matter expert. I am, uh, I I'm aware of. Uh, I understand the utility value, the function. I get it, um, and that's something I I preference is that my short answer. I love it. I love crypto. I love the idea of it. I love uh, the continued focus around it, uh, and. And when I think of how it fits into the business that we're focused on, uh, our industry, I see just another spoke in the wheel to um, reward players and fans and and, and bring the world a little closer together. So I just see it as another incentive uh, structure that awesome that there's another way of distributing it. It's different um, and there just needs to be easier ways. So I think when I think of this answer, the answer to that question is I love the utility value the ease of use, the conversation opens up that we previously wouldn't have revisited. So even if we think of how this industry was birthed, you know, with Passbook mm-hmm. being something that was around for decades, right? Like, right. Would we, could we reimagine the Wire Transfer Act? You know, not getting too controversial here, but it's like right. there's parts of this that are built off the precedent of legacy currencies, which um, it's about first seeing it and saying that's where this comes from. And then actually, you know, I, I subscribe to be more of a solutions oriented uh, person. It's just my personality. So it's not that I'm mad at the world that we got here. So it took us so long to get here. It's like, OK, cool. Like if, if there's not a lot of trust on the transfer, let's figure that out. Can technology enable that? Do we need other infrastructure? But if the goal is to bring fans closer together, create cool different ways to reward um, people in real world moments. There's so many possibilities that crypto unlocks that uh, I'm all here for the solutions. Uh, I'm all here for it. So count me in. Yeah. And it's interesting because when you talk about some of the legacy legislation that's been around for decades and decades um, and the, or just the legal side of things, um, the thing that I think, um, you know, is really going to be exciting for regulators and legislators over the coming years. And we're hoping at Sports we can kind of be thought leaders in this area um, and help uh, them understand this. But there is a lot of actual anti-fraud built into, um, naturally built into cryptocurrencies. As long as you're doing KYC AML verification on consumers, um, the the anti-fraud nature of, of cryptocurrencies is much, much safer than um, other forms of payments. Like credit cards, debit cards, or wire transfers, or ACH, um, where there's all sorts of things like chargeback fraud and stealing people's credit card numbers. All that stuff is gone with cryptocurrency. So again, assuming you do the proper verifications that people are who they say they are and not you know, bad actors and so forth, um, the benefits from crypto actually is going to, I think, 
really be a huge pleasant surprise for regulators and they see when they see what it can do to combat a lot of the issues that they actually have like just the fact that you can track payments you know online and it's fully visible to everybody you can't do that with you know a lot of other you know forms of payment so it can actually greatly reduce you know fraud and crimes and other stuff which obviously the industry wants to continue to to tackle so um yeah we're super duper excited about it you know over here uh it's end sports and the future of it and uh, you may have seen like wyoming uh what was it six eight weeks ago came out and said that they're gonna be uh, the first state to allow cryptocurrency wagering on sports uh so that's that's amazing uh and yes. there's all sorts of yeah Congrats. i know right <laughs> uh and then for us selfishly so we do we do not just um peer-to-peer but we also do a traditional sports book um but what's cool on the peer-to-peer side is tennessee uh more or less kind of came out and said that they're they're good with peer-to-peer uh, nevada seems like they will likely be okay with it too um but yeah i mean it's you're right the progress is just it's it's right there in front of us which is uh, which is really exciting. So, um, yeah, definitely uh, very, very excited for all the things that are about to come. And I think, you know, I think the, that other part of it, too, is that it's just a matter of, like you said, time, taking the time. Uh, it's also a matter of just showing them, you know, educating them, probably doing some small trials, you know, uh, field trials with certain customer segments and groups and stuff like that to show them that hey this works um but i think the floodgates are about to open up in the next three to five years so i think it's all super exciting i i love your enthusiasm you'd be a great fsga member just saying uh, but you know uh, <laughs> oh you, yeah you you've already up, you've already got our members so, so but but I'm, but you, you bring up some really important points of related but unrelated related but unrelated story quick story i'll share is yeah yeah please uh, i was i was traveling five a few years ago uh and i remember meeting watching my my friend who was a stone estonian uh file their taxes in a remote country and uh, she used this id she plugged it into her laptop and she's like yeah i'm on like the estonian internet and i'm doing my taxes I'm like what like wait what like your whole identification's in like this card she's like yeah like our entire like basically most of like their legislation process, like infrastructure is all virtual, like, like, you know, paper. Um, and that's like part of like this, if you know the history of Estonia, like, there's a lot of wars there. So they basically, they built the country very, very recently. So it's like, you have new infrastructure solving old problems in a different way. Right. And, and you could see the value, but unless like it's something that you are directly seeing or understanding or participating in, um, this is where I, I fast forward, like how much of this conversation is exactly that old infrastructure uh, trying to solve an old problem in old ways. And, and it's not that the solutions don't exist, but it's it's what's the path to prove the value. So I'm I'm all with you on like if it's trials, if it's like, let's just take know make one state like the test bed and go for it like there's something about like the there's not a shortage of people who want to try and do um but i do think the where those conversations happen those intersections how we do that that's why i get kind of like that's where the startup juice kicks in i'm like yeah like solutions will get us get us right so yeah yeah. and 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 i think you know consumers are demanding it right like they're just not going to be okay with the older way of doing things um and you not just covid related um but even as for example las vegas has completely come back to life now you know basically 100 percent compared to what it was pre-pandemic um that it, forget that for just a quick second that obviously changed a lot but just in general like you know 
you know, Gen Y, Gen Z, millennials, that they don't want to be doing things kind of the old way and archaic processes that were set up, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Um, these things have to change. And, you know, generally you're right. Like it's the, it's the technologies that probably move, not probably the technologies always move faster than the, than the legislation does. And it's always the legislation catching up, but I think this is the inflection point because it has to be um, because clearly consumers want betting. Uh, they want to do what they want with their money, as long as it's legal and ethical, um, which it is. And so, you know, I mean, give them what they want, right. And do it and do it in a, in a controlled regulated manner and give them these additional features so that, it is in a transparent regulated environment versus underground. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, and, and I heard, yeah, I mean, I heard like places like Estonia, like you can get an Estonia, you know, passport, like almost lightning fast because it's all digital and form a corporation or a business there. So hopefully we're getting to that point pretty quickly because the technology is there, the consumer demand is there. Um, and, uh, you know, um, it's, it's time, right? I'm with all of it. Yes, yes, yes and yes. <laughs> See, yeah, I'm on the right of history here. I'm on the right side of history here. It's everything you said. And there's something too I'd add to to that last point is uh, we we want to give transparency too. Like there's a part of this process which you know we we don't get better as an industry if we're not like we we think about this a lot when you know explaining. Uh, like how uh, how we come up with scoring structures and like game theory, like explaining like your league to a friend, like there's so much complexity in that, uh, which some of it is some by design, but also uh, just think just a lack of this general understanding. So if we can just get better at, yeah. So I think the point is like, we want to bring everyone along in the journey. 100%. Last and most important question I have to ask you, bucks and six, right? <laughs> yeah, after after that Kyrie after that Kyrie injury, I'm like, you know, so but yeah, the deer to be feared, all that. Uh, uh, it's just a different team with without Harden and Kyrie. I mean, this it was designed to be the big three. I think Kevin Durant is greatness, yes, but it's this is like one of those like you caught a you got a, got a bad hand and they and the Bucks are that good. Um, I think there's. So I think the their defense, be, their defense, their defense is so good. Yeah, yeah. And I love watching like Drew Holiday. Like I think Drew Holiday is finally getting like the roses that he deserves because he plays both ends. Uh, he is. Yeah. This is like the moment, like he stepped into a moment and the supporting cast is there. So yeah. Yeah. Bucks, 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 bucks. Yeah. And you know, the thing is with the injuries, like it's something you can't control and it happens. I mean, look at when the Raptors won. I mean, you know, Durant didn't play uh, for most of the series. Uh, 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 boy, I'm blanking now. Um, uh, what's his name? He got, he tore his ACL uh, as well. Um, oh, that was it. Clay. Clay yeah, Clay did. ACL. That's right. Thank yeah, you. that series. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then even if you look at the Sun series this year against the Lakers, like AD, you know, didn't play for the last, you know, couple of games. And, 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 you know, I mean, it just, and, uh, you know, against the Nuggets, uh, the Suns caught another break, you know, they didn't have to go up against Jamal Murray. Um, so, you know, the reality is, is, you know, injuries are part of the game. And also you have to recognize that with the roster that the Nets built, that was a possibility, right? Um, you know, the reality is, is, I mean, Kyrie has been hurt before in the past, not as bad as say Durant, but, you know, uh, just, you know, he has been hurt before. Um, Harden certainly has had injuries as well too. 
And yeah, I mean, I, I, their bench is pretty good, but the reality is, is they, you know, are banking on all three guys. And I'm not going to also feel sorry from a karma perspective. I mean, when you build quote unquote super teams, I'm sorry, but like, I'm not, yeah, I'm just, I'm just not going to feel sorry for them. You know, it's just, that's all they're suited. And it's not our problem. Um, that being said, I do a little bit at least wish that Kyrie was playing because I actually still think we could beat them without with him, I should say. Um, I mean, we beat them in game three. We were going to beat them yesterday, even if Kyrie stays in the game. I think we win that game. So certainly winning game five in the road will be much easier without Kyrie, but I still think it was possible. Um, so yeah, it's a little annoying, yeah, but you know what? My next round, no asterisks. Take it, take no, it. No, no. I, I take that. You guys, you guys are good. Like I'm, I'm saying, like Bucks are a good team. Yeah, they, I think they're putting it together. And to your, you know, to build on your points, like I think the elephant in the room here is like we all kind of thought that it'd be like KD that would have gone down with an injury at this right. point. I mean, he's put some <laughs> serious minutes on that body. He's 32 and he's playing like 33 minutes in the regular season. I was like, geez, this guy is. He's he are he's already different. Like we get that he's elite. We get it. But you know, like coming in, it's like I he is the first like working example of someone who was a superstar before an Achilles injury and comes back yeah. and still a superstar. So it's it's absurd. Know. I mean, he's got, he just really misses. That being said, PJ Tucker is uh, has been in his grill and has been. I, I've never seen anybody play such good defense on him before, um, and not just physically, like mentally. Like you can tell he's kind of in his head of it and and that's exactly why they brought that's why exactly why they traded uh dj augustine and dj wilson they traded two djs to get uh pj <laughs> so, <laughs> it's an upgrade. It's an upgrade. two djs equal one pj <laughs> that's that, that math checks out that's that math, math works out. <laughs> well awesome chase you've been a terrific guest uh thank you so much for joining we will definitely uh, be putting in our application for uh, FSGA uh, for to be a member there. Love what you guys are doing there to further the cause and further the industry. And uh, yeah, thanks so much again for your time today. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, Mark. Really appreciate your time and, and having me today.